Hey, buddy. Buddy. Hey, buddy. It's Let's Rewatch. Oh, God. <laughs> the show. You know, for the kids. You Let's know, Rewatch. Kids. This is the show where we watch movies we loved in our youth, send them down to the boys in the lab, and uh, see if they're actually any good. I'm Nick. I'm Brett. I'm Sam. And I'm Ash. And so we're watching Hudsucker Proxy because Happy New Year. Happy That's New why. Year. Maybe this one won't suck as bad. What did what did we do last year? Uh, 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 didn't we do Ghostbusters two? Ghostbusters two was the first time. Then we did Ghostbusters. But no, Groundhog Day was last year, right? Maybe, yeah. Why, why were was you saying maybe Year's? this one won't suck as bad? Because no, this year, New Year's. this oh. year won't oh. suck as bad. Yeah. Jesus, good luck. Get in the game. We're, we're really down on ourselves ourselves the whole yeah world. we've really sucked this year <laughs> <laughs> oh we're just Man. all taking responsibility <laughs> now i guess <laughs> it's nice. all of our fault at least you're taking responsibility if you're yeah. talking if you're talking life and country and politics i think we've just reached the top of the fucking roller coaster man no don't say that yeah that means we have a f- long way to fall yeah <laughs> oh it's meant but let's talk about Hudsucker Proxy, which I would say I'm pretty sure is my favorite New Year's movie. Hmm. I'm going to go out there and not like there's there. many to choose from. There's We're going to run out of New Year's yeah. movies really We're running quick, out guys. Pretty soon. Yeah. If you have suggestions, listeners, for next year, so we've we've talked a bit about this movie before. This is uh, the beautiful combination of Coen Brothers and Sam Raimi. Oh. Right? We've talked about that. This is There's something about this movie where all of my memory of it has been wiped. Oh, it's even good. though I know I've seen it, but it's so in wonderful. For some joy. Except yeah. for the for the kids. But I only know that because Brett says it all you know, the time. For kids. You know, yeah. kids. I think I use that a lot in Let's Drink. And then like we realized after a few episodes that, that kids were watching. Most of our viewers are kids. Yeah. And and then I was like, mm. I've been just I mean, every time we had a gross drink, I was like, hey, kids, this is the one. But, like, now I'm recommending beer to kids online. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a slippery slope. <laughs> wow. So, I think we're all big fans of the Coens and Sam mm-hmm. Raimi. Is yeah. that pretty legit? Yeah. So, we, so Sam Raimi wrote this with the Coens, and then it's directed by the Coens. So, okay. it's probably a little more Cohen-y, but it definitely, in my mind, feels Raimi-ish as well. It's got a couple of Raimi's regular actors in it and all that stuff. Got a couple of Raimi's. A couple of Raimi's. Um, so we saw Spider-Man from oh, the yeah. Raimi collection. Oh. Did we see anything else Raimi in this show? Hmm, I don't know. I don't know. And then we've done... Um, IMDb it. Yeah, you're the fact checker. Yeah. yeah, what the hell, Nick? I am drawing a blank <laughs> Why are you on, asking oh, us? Big, Big Lebowski... We did for Cohen's, and I mm-hmm. feel like we did another Cohen movie. Yeah, uh, I think we've talked about it, but I don't know if we've done another. We one. talked a lot about Cohen's, and we did Big Lebowski. So mm-hmm. there's not a lot, I think, to be said this time around. But let's let's place it in a point in time. Oh this wow! Is Evil Dead Sam Raimi. Sorry, just now making the connection. 
that that's the isn't same that person. the whole appeal of Sam Raimi? Isn't that why people I love Sam Raimi? I didn't know who you were talking about. <laughs> wow. Um, so this movie is 1994, which would have been between Barton Fink and Fargo. Like, oh, Fargo. Never mind. <laughs> so is this is this like? The primest Cohen time then, because I loved Bart and Fink. I love Fargo. I love this movie. Bart and Fink yeah. was a little weird. I'd have never seen that one. I'm not like I'm not a fan of Bart and Fink. I I understand if people love it, it's just not for me. Yeah. I think a lot of people don't love it. It's yeah. it's it appeals to my particular sensibilities. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. Like I think that's almost fair to say. Except there are a lot of glorious eras of Cohens. Mm-hmm. You know, is oh, oh brother like I love perfect Cohen? You know, it's just so much good Cohen stuff. Mm-hmm. We should really watch more Cohen, brother. Yeah, <laughs> I think the problem is that we know a lot of them are good. Yeah, yeah. But that's I think we've gotten past it. I think we're okay watching good movies. Yeah, yeah but yeah, I think we just we couldn't sit down and watch Oh Brother and like think that there was anything negative to say yeah <laughs> but i i think it'd be fun to introduce you to my favorite cohen movie which we talked about miller's crossing i've which never seen i don't it. think yeah, any I've of you have seen, seen it no. and it's so beautiful yeah absolutely so don't make us that. cry uh maybe the tiniest bit but it's not like a big crying movie okay but it's super good um and so from the sam raimi perspective this would have been between dark no, I'm sorry. It would have been after Army of Darkness. So Evil mm-hmm. Dead was 81. Evil Dead 2 is 87. Then Darkman. Then Army of Darkness. And then this. So that's where <laughs> Sam Raimi's coming from. A lot, a lot of dark movies. Yeah. And then this. <laughs> and then. You know, for kids. kids. <laughs> yeah. But I think this was like, you say this is the height of Cohen's, but this is the height of Tim Robbins. This is Robin's time. Tim Robbins did four movies in 1994. Wow. Wow. Which is crazy. 94, good year. What do you do? You tell me. I'll I'll tell you one because you're never going to get ready to wear. What? Yeah, I don't know what that is. (laughs) Yeah. But you at least know one and might know the other. What movie? When did this come out again? 1994. That's when this one came out? Yeah. So What else did Tim Robbins do that same year? Is he the main Uh, character? Was he Shawshank? Shawshank was 1994, uh, same year. Yeah. So that's oh. the obvious one. The other one is a little bit fringe, but not too fringe. Do you is, remember? Hmm? Is it? Wait. Now I don't even remember if that was Tim Robbins. The one with Martin Lawrence? It was. Yeah. We were talking about that a minute ago. Nothing, Nothing to lose. lose. Yeah. Because if you look at the poster for Nothing to Lose, it's Tim Robbins and Martin Lawrence, mm-hmm. which is exactly oh. the image I had in mind when we were talking about Tim Robbins standing next to Tom Cruise. <laughs> like super tall dude and super short dude. Yeah. How so, tall is he, Tim Robbins? He's a giant. Really? He's up there. You remember we found he's the maximum possible height for an F-14 pilot? Bro. We, oh. we were talking about that during Oh yeah. During the uh, Top Gun episode. But no, the other one was IQ, where uh, Walter Matthau was Einstein, and he was like the teaching assistant or something? Uh, yeah. I don't know that one at all. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So maybe a little fringe. But still, he put out four movies in a year. That's a lot of movies. That and including movies. this one we're about to watch. In 1993, the year before this, both he and Jennifer Jason Lee were in a movie called Shortcuts, which I haven't seen. Yeah, it's Mm-mm. entirely unfamiliar. 
But this is the second pairing with Jennifer Jason Lee in in as many years. Is she the is she the fast talking news yeah. person? Yeah. She's super good in this. Um this would have been uh so she did uh, single white female in 1992 and backdraft in 1991. So this was kind of good prime Jennifer Jason Lee. I remember mm-hmm. backdraft the ride. <laughs> oh god. Yep. So that doesn't exist anymore, does it? No, no that's now it's Terminator. Or not Terminator. I'm like, um, uh, I don't think that's there anymore. The Transformers. Mm-hmm. Oh. Wait, was that in that building? Yep. That's not where the mummy is? Nope. Okay. Nope. Cause it was still around when the mummy ride was there. And then um they killed it just like a couple years ago. It was yeah, and if they ago. if they replaced it with Transformers, that makes sense. Yeah. I feel like I mean Man, I it, hate that Transformers ride. <laughs> it's better than the backdraft experience. Uh, it was cool, like you see a bunch of cool pyrotechnics, but uh it's you go to theme parks in the summer and it's hot because it's LA, and then you go into this building and then they throw fire at you for like five or ten minutes hmm. and it's just sweltering heat. It's for and like then you one go to the water second. world. Jesus. <laughs> well, see what you do is you do the Jurassic Park ride and you get wet. And then you go into backdraft and you would dry off. You go to Waterworld and get wet. So yeah. you do, you do I think the it's so much fun. Riddick strategy and like coat yourself in water and then jump in front of the sun. <laughs> <laughs> Can you guess my favorite Jennifer Jason Lee movie? Well, she was amazing in Hateful Eight. I didn't ever oh. see that. Yeah. She was the best part of Hateful Eight. Yeah. She was so good. She was good. And it really felt like, well, she's well beyond her prime. Like she's faded off and she's not, we're not going to see her anymore. And man, she tore it up in that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I never saw that. I heard it was good, but really, really violent. And then that scared me off. I, I mean, think you just people, described most Tarantino movies. Yeah, yeah. I think people are over exaggerating because I heard that. Um, and that didn't necessarily make me not watch it but um because i'm fine with that but (laughs) i i didn't watch it for a long time and then when i finally watched it i was like this really wasn't that much more violent than yeah any quentin tarantino movie like this is just a quentin tarantino movie like yeah see i have a really hard time with his movies mm, then you wouldn't like it (laughs) and it it certainly wasn't a kill bill blood splatter fest but it was yeah, it's not like over the top like he can be. It's more realistic, but it is like it's like violent in the sense that like, you know, was a lot it, of people die, I was guess. Was it more or less violent than uh um DJ Ango? See, but that was more like Jake. over the top like humorous yeah. almost, you know? Yeah, as opposed to Hateful Eight was just like the gnarly. Yeah, realism. it was more. It's probably one of the more grounded. Mm-hmm. That and um, Reservoir Dogs were probably oh, the most I grounded. Had a really hard time with Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. I just left the room for that mm. scene. Hey, is is True Romance on our list? It should, should be. be. We should watch yeah, that like check that sooner out. than later. Yeah, I think I've been wanting to see that for a while. That's one where January Quentin 7th? wrote it, but Tony Scott directed. Yes, is that the deal? Yeah. Okay, January seventh yeah, is that going to be our, our, our next oh. episode? Yeah, but there is another actor, a huge actor in this movie, and as I was writing his name in my notes, I, t- I had a typo and stumbled across the most adorable kitty cat name ever. <laughs> oh my! Oh. Do you remember who it is? 
Because in my notes, it says Paul Muman. Which now, if I ever have a cat, he's going to be named Paul Muman. Oh, great. Paul Newman's in this? Oh, yeah. Paul Newman is awesome in this. Yeah, Paul Newman's really Yeah, and he's done a ton of shit. And I just scribbled down my favorites, and it spans a long amount of time. Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid, Mm -hmm. The Sting. Isn't Road he? to Perdition. I was just going to say Road mm. to Perdition, man. It's oh. so good. He's yeah. also a really good director, too. Yeah. D- I don't remember what he's directed, but he's done a few. I don't remember everything, but I remember when we were at Universal Studios recently, they mentioned how he directed that movie about the airplane that landed on the Hudson River. Remember? That was Paul no, Newman. I think Wait. he was dead at that time. Oh, eight, 2008. Oh, yeah. Who am I thinking of then? Because this is clearly the wrong person. Right. First, I'm going to look up Sully, and there's like a third of our audience screaming at the I know. Sorry. Right so it definitely um, but it was a big name director. Oh, Clint Eastwood. Yeah, oh, that makes sorry. A ton I'm of getting sense. them kind of confused. They yeah. do look similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but wrong cowboy white guy. <laughs> right? <laughs> See? You know what else though? Like I fucking love salad dressing, <laughs> and Paul Newman's just—he's got his hands in everything. You know what else I love? About his hands in your salad dressing. Paul Newman is <laughs> got his face on it anyway. He. Oh no! Again, I'm thinking of Clint Eastwood. Is it Clint yeah. Eastwood who loves rabbits? One of them loves rabbits and has a pet rabbit, and it makes me really I happy. Know. I don't. Well, I think it's Clint Eastwood. One of those actually. people is still alive. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, yeah. Well, I didn't know, so I don't know. <laughs> so Paul Newman hasn't directed anything since 1987, The Glass Menagerie, which is the only thing I would have recognized on his list anyway. So I guess we don't really know him as a director, but he has directed stuff. But yeah, Sam, you're about to go to Chicago, and I was in Chicago yeah. recently, and Road to Perdition is one of those Chicago movies oh, that I want I to go back and watch. I that was in Chicago. And it's I'm, Clint Eastwood, who is the rabbit, by the way. I'm sorry. Okay. I just have to show you a picture of him and his rabbit. <laughs> it's a so picture cute. of him and his rabbit or him and his hot wife? Well, she is holding is the rabbit. But that's not a nice thing to say about <laughs> Just kidding. Sorry, anyway. I derailed you. <laughs> Saying she's hot is not a nice thing? Look, they both have... No, that she was calling her a rabbit. I wasn't calling her a rabbit. But the way you said it made it sound like... I said, is that a picture of his rabbit or is that a picture of his hot wife? <laughs> exactly. For the people listening, it was there a picture... Three <laughs> creatures in the photo. Yeah. Clint Eastwood, the rabbit, and his wife. <laughs> so the way you said it made it sound like... <laughs> Not just the rabbit. I <laughs> get <laughs> wow. Anyway. Some of these comments don't work audio-wise. Sorry, editor. But I'm not sure, but I think this movie, is it New York or Chicago? That's New York. New York. New York? York? I think, or maybe yeah. Chicago. Yeah, New York seems point. really Chicago-y. Now that I've said it, New York makes sense. Anyway, I guess we'll find out. Cherub. And there's a, there's a lot of, well, I don't know if there's a lot of it, but I, I remember uh, there's the trench coat, flat trench coat wearings going on in this movie. Okay. And that's the Chicago thing. Well, maybe it's a 30s thing. Maybe it's a 30s thing. Yeah. But it's also like was and still is a Chicago thing. Is this 30s or 40s? You might be right. I think it's 40s. Clearly, we really remember this movie. Yeah, it's been a long <laughs> and, time. And that's, you know, that's part of it. Like, I think I'm going to enjoy having my memory refreshed with stuff. Um, I, And I'll mention Charles Durning as 
Hudsucker. He's pretty awesome. Although I'm guessing you guys don't recognize the name, but he's in a bunch of Cohen stuff. But I think he's pretty awesome. Yeah, he does a good job too. And there's now a dog in my face. Sorry. Um, so yeah, we've talked a lot about Cohen, so I don't know that we've got much to talk about and set up here. I've got I've got, you got plenty a thing to, to talk say? about. Okay. Um anyone else see fucking uh Suburbicon? I've not seen mm-hmm. it. Oh, okay. It's the new, it's the new Cohen Jam. Not actually a real Cohen Jam though, because directed by Clooney. Oh, is it Clooney mimicking the Coens, or are they? No, they somehow? wrote it. They right? wrote it, and I it feels, but it does about. feel like Clooney trying to mimic the Coens. Hmm. Uh, and is that the one with uh, Matt Damon? Yeah. Okay. Um, I won't do. I won't spoil spoilers. It, but. Uh, I will say, if you watch the trailer for it, uh, they lied. The trailer is a fake out. I don't know how I feel about that, because you know I don't watch trailers, because I don't want them spoiling the movie. It's a solid, complete fake out. They made a different plot with scenes from the movie for the trailer. Uh, That's awesome. But but it's not, because the movie in the trailer is better than the movie they made. Well, that's (laughs) why they did it then. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, uh... Because I, I think I would have liked the movie a lot more if I hadn't seen the trailer. Mm. Uh, so don't watch it if you're going to plan on seeing Suburbicon. Gotcha. <laughs> is it like Shining? It is. The, the Like the trailer? It is. Shining. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Interesting. So has everybody seen this movie before in past times? I think mm-hmm. so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. So, Ash, what do you expect? I don't remember anything okay so i don't have much expectation like i even went and i watched the trailer for this and i was like i still don't remember anything like the trailer didn't rack my memory at all so all i do remember so we all seen it all i do remember is that he like invents a hula hoop or something that's like really the only thing (laughs) i remember um and I have to be honest, like, I, I remember liking the movie when I saw it, but I don't remember anything, which is, like, usually the thing that means it's not a good movie. Like, yeah. if you don't, if I don't or like that it, it's, I like, it. mo- mediocre or whatever. So, I don't know. We'll see. But, like, watching the trailer, I was like, this movie looks boring. Like, mm. the trailer doesn't look very interesting. The trailer's like... Like a big, you know, big company loses its head and they need to replace him with someone else. So they replace him with this guy. And it's like, you know, narrative voiceover. <laughs> okay. I'm sure the trailer is just like awful kind of thing. But the trailers are garbage. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't have a lot of expectations. Hmm. Okay. Um, for some reason, whenever somebody mentions this movie, my brain always goes to I Heart Huckabee. <laughs> which is also yeah. a great movie Just complex h names yeah but um yeah so i don't know well, okay. we'll see what happens i i i the I, thing i i flames I, on the side of my face um i'm confused as to how this is a new year's eve part uh movie but i guess we'll all find out yeah i don't remember that part uh, yeah i don't remember mm-hmm. how this is connected because the trailer didn't say anything about new year's eve mm-hmm. i might not have finished watching the whole trailer though just in case <laughs> then we'll, like we'll have a debate like uh is gremlins a christmas movie yeah is this is a, new sucker year's a new year's movie i mean i think we learned that ghostbusters 2 is a little bit of a stretch calling that a new year's movie yeah mm-hmm. and we are really like 
I was like searching for other New Year's Eve movies. Yeah, tweet us and up if you know of a good New Year's movie. Yeah, I was thinking like there are not many. Some of these are. Uh, I don't remember if I said this on the last one, but like it's a, it's the square and rectangle thing. Like the all all squares are rectangles, but not all rectangles are squares. Like there's a lot of movies that have New Year's in it, but not a lot of them are New Year's movies. Okay. It's the same thing with Christmas. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think there's more of a theme to Christmas that lends itself to storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. If I would go out on a limb and we'll very likely be wrong, but I would say if anything lends itself thematically to new year's, it's this. I think this is one of those ones where the new year's is, I mean, it's, it's, it's part of movie. It's, okay. it's yeah. so I'm not remembering it's wrong. required. Another okay. one I found. And I, again, I haven't seen the movie, so I don't know, but, uh, when I Google searched New Year's Eve parties, uh, besides Ghostbusters 2 in this film, When Harry Met Sally came up. Hmm. Huh. I was going to say know. Two Grumpy Old Men, I think, also has a New Year's aspect in it. Hmm. But it kind of crosses over between Christmas and New Year's, hmm. okay. if I remember correctly. It's too bad the movie version of Rent is so horrible. Hmm. There's a big New Year's element to that. Hmm. Can we do a Broadway play on this podcast? <laughs> yeah. Sure. <laughs> why not? Fantastic. Special edition. Yeah. Broadway edition. I do have, like, they've shot a performance of it and put it out on Blu-ray, so I've got that. I've never seen it. Oh, it's so good. I've seen the movie, but not the actual play. The movie's unfortunate. Yeah. yeah. So I'll say what I think, which is I'm going to expect to love this movie. Um, <laughs> so much you're going to burst into song. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, we talk about whimsy. I think this movie is dripping with whimsy. Ew. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think it's, it's Shut a it. very beautiful, whimsical movie. <laughs> what about glowing? Glowing. It's glowing with whimsy. You know, that that's sounds so f- better. That's so funny because like the trailer is the exact opposite. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I'm guys. I'm, I hope it is whimsical, but like the trailer was like very business corporate. Mm. Okay. I don't know. And I will say that Jennifer Jason Lee, like there's a lot of awesome quotes in this movie. Jennifer Jason Lee has this one line that I absolutely adore that we'll talk about after the movie. And it, it's like you were saying, Sam, that fast talking 1940s, mm-hmm. almost film noir sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And she's got this amazing the line. Is it the Muncie accent? Mm-hmm. Um, no to your question, Sam. And yes, Brett, it's it's like that transatlantic accent sort of thing. Yeah. His Girl Friday. Yeah, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Brett. You look like you want to talk. What do you? I was waiting. Go ahead. This is. Were you going to say something? This is uh, definitely my uh, holiday movie. Oh, interesting. This is your pick. I think we should make that clear. But you wanted to watch this movie, right? Yeah, I've definitely seen this more recently than is customary for our our show. I don't know if we watched it last year, but I've watched it in one of the last couple of years, and um. It's just, I don't know. Yeah, it captures uh, a mood that is a lot of the, I I don't even, I don't know if it's whimsy as much as that like uh, contemplative melancholy a little bit, but like in a fun, not like a comedy way, you know? That sounds Um, like the Coen brothers. It definitely deals with themes of depression with a smile on its face. Yeah. And it's just, 
I don't, it's a it's a feel good movie for me, and I don't know if uh, if that'll play for everyone else, but I'm really excited to watch this. This is one of my all time faves. Excellent, right. yeah. What do you got, Sam? Um, I hate it. I don't want to watch it. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm looking for conflict here. Um, no, actually, like I remember watching it. I remember liking it, but I don't remember much about it. I'm kind of expecting yeah, it to be a little slow. Okay. Uh, very talky. A lot of like. I people. think it is very talky. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm. I would be lying if I said I was like so jazzed to watch it again. I know. I'm sorry. All right. It's a movie I, I, I of the think, season. Guys Against Girls Showdown. Yeah. Let's rewatch I mean, 2017. It doesn't mean I think it's gonna be bad. I just I don't. It didn't stick with me, you know, and that makes me a little nervous. Yeah, totally. It's I can understand that. Yeah. It's we, we were talking about it last episode. Um, it's definitely one of those movies where I it would feel wrong to watch this any time that wasn't between like Halloween and New Year's. Hmm. Huh? I don't remember that about it. No, it's Every- just like it's because it's the it's the fall mood. I don't know. Is it? Hmm. I think of it as like that Winter weird, mood. dark, terrible time after all the holidays. That's uh, my Boxing memory Day? of this. Yeah. No, that's you still got I New love Year's Boxing but. Day. <laughs> it's the day you get to go out with all your friends and leave your family for once. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Peace family. Yep. It just hit me and I remembered when we did do Big Lebowski, we we went online and found the top ten uh Coen Brothers movies. I think it was oh, a Rolling yeah, Stone yeah. article. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to see where this landed on it. I remember it was pretty high, wasn't it? I thought it didn't rank. It is not on the list. Oh, it isn't? Yeah. Oh, well, my memory is Some of you people guessed it a few times. I have the best memory. The best, best memory. Yeah. (laughs) So, yep, not even on the list. So It's definitely my top five Coens. Yeah, this might end up being one of those ones like... um, Divisive. Yeah, what what were, what were we just talking about? Uh, oh, Barton Fink. Fink. Yeah, that might be. It is so different. My sensibilities, though. but like you know, not a lot of people are into it. Yeah. But like the people who are really love it. I don't want to accept that. I want everybody to love this movie. I kind of do too. Yeah. Okay, so I guess our friendships and relationships are on the line, Sam. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. <laughs> So we're going to watch it. So you guys might want to listen to the first half of this podcast on uh, January 31st, 2017. December 31st. December 31st, 2017. I'm good with math. Watch this movie and then watch the second half. Listen to the second half podcast, January 1st, 2018. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That was a complete flop, what I tried to set up there. But we're just going to watch the movie and then we'll come back after it and see if it's actually any good. so that was the story of how norville barnes climbed all the way up to the 44th floor of the hudsucker building and fell all the way down and didn't quite squish himself <laughs> so what do you guys think hooray yeah this is great. Happy New I, Year. Yeah. Happy, happy New I, Year. I, I, 
I want to, like, I think you said, Brett, in the beginning that the fact that it's New Year's Eve is, like, really integral to the plot. And, like, yeah. man, yeah. it really yeah. is. It is, but didn't even get there until the end. Like, they did set up the shares turnover mm-hmm. on New Year's, but then... It kind of set the whole plot in motion, yeah. though. Yeah. But it didn't feel like the real New Year's vibe until the very end, mm-hmm. which I guess is kind of the point of New Year's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. 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 I just had a smile on my face the whole time. Yeah, it was so great. Just it's just it's so expertly done. Yeah. yeah. It's such a simple story, but like yeah. it doesn't feel simple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the dialogue is so sharp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cleverly written and the yeah. the transitions are so clever too. You know, there's some really like you were saying, Sam, the newspaper transitions feel very much like the Harry Potter movie transitions you see now. Yeah, I actually think Harry Potter pulled a lot from the beginning of this. Like, Mm. I don't know, just the feel of the way it was shot. Mm -hmm. Mm. I was thinking in the very beginning how it reminded me of the new Harry Potter movies that take Mm -hmm. place in New York as well. Yeah. Or I guess movie. They haven't. Wouldn't that have been London? No, the new American one. Beasts. Oh, the Fantastic Beasts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's weird to think of those as Harry Potter, but... I know. I, yeah, I see the, the Harry Potter styles. I I kind of see a little bit of a like a less stylized uh, Wes Anderson look to it. Like, a lot of the transitions hmm. are just everything is hmm. exactly placed. And, yeah. But it's, it's more like classic cinematic. Yeah, like Wes Anderson's like very 2D... Yeah. Like it's very yeah. cartoony, Wes Anderson. This wasn't well, like the cinematography. Yeah. Like you think I, about I, like the the uh, that mailroom scene where he's running through, yeah, uh, with that waving uh, tape. Yeah, I'm and, not saying the actions or the, she's just saying the, the way things are framed. Mm, yeah, 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 and, yeah, and like the color and like mm-hmm. just yeah. the way they compose their shots and move their camera is more like 1940s film. Mm-hmm. I I love the another transition I really loved is when he gets punched and it cuts to a camera flash. Mm-hmm. Like that was really great. There's yeah, just there's some good really punches good. in this movie. Uh-huh. Like when he insults the Finnish guy, the <laughs> yes. wife screams, "Drink with one hand, punch with the other yeah. hand." Just lays him out. So great. Yeah. Poor guy gets punched a lot. He really does. Yeah. I love that uh fail fall thing. Yeah. Like that's just the perfect example. <laughs> And I wrote it down because the wording is so perfect. But that just amazing line, Jennifer Jason Lee says, only a numbskull thinks he knows things about things he knows nothing about. <laughs> I loved, I absolutely love that line. Yeah. And it's so true to life. Like, that's something you need to keep in mind. Everybody's got an opinion, mm-hmm. but everybody thinks they know things that they know nothing about. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. interesting how this film felt rather like, like the themes and everything felt rather relevant still yeah, today totally like mm-hmm. the newspaper guy mm-hmm. he's like where are your facts to back this up like this is just speculation and i was like oh but then by yeah. the end he's like totally cool with printing yeah. speculation yeah, yeah. Well, and, well the and the start scene was the opposite he just flip-flopped every single scene because mm-hmm. yeah. he was like they, they want the human angle nobody wants all those mm-hmm. you know which by the way john mahoney the the editor guy and jennifer jason lee must have had the most fun. Like they probably had to practice so much to deliver those lines. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. But that looks so much fun to do that dialogue. Oh, totally. Just so fast. It's the type of dialogue where like, 
you must not even be listening to the other person. You're just waiting for them to finish, you yeah. know, because it's yeah. so fast. And even Tim Robbins, but he's got more of a dopey response yeah. to that quick dialogue. But it's also, it takes some really good timing. Yeah. And he's hilarious with it. Very, very, I was saying it reminds me a lot of His Girl Friday. Which it's, I think is absolutely intentional. Yeah. Like they're going exactly for that. Okay, cool. Yeah, because her little B plot is very similar indeed. Um, yeah, but I liked how she she was, you know, like Sam was reacting to the, I think we both were reacting to like the cat noises and <laughs> to uh, the, you know, sexualization people made of her and sexual oh, yeah. harassment. But I love how fiery she was in mm. response, you know, like yeah. every time <laughs> I'm being cat harassed right now. <laughs> every time, you know, she, she's just whips right back, you know, yeah. she's, she yeah. isn't the, the, accepting. The part that was really poignant though, was when the, when she like slaps the guy for touching her butt mm -hmm. and then she leaves the room. He's like, what was that all about? It's like, ah, uh. <laughs> I mean, we are definitely looking at a piece of fiction from a certain time and place yeah. through the lens of our perspective in a certain time and place. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. You and know, even then it was looking at a, at the fifties through the lens of when they made this film. Oh right. yeah. Yeah. And for, in the eighties, that would have been, Oh, it's kind of funny. In the 50s, that would have been genuinely how people behaved. Mm -hmm. And now, especially now, you know, this time right now in our lives, it's especially a sore subject. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, wait, it's when was this watch. movie made again? 80. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It was 92, that, 94. Yeah. I was going to say that looked really good for 80s. Yeah. That's just yeah. the cinematography anyway. 94. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking about Paul Newman in this and Paul Newman in Road to Perdition, and he didn't seem yeah. to have aged that much. Yeah. I guess it was only seven years later. I don't know, but was eight that, years later. You asked, you like six pack on that guy. Yeah, right? Paul, Paul Newman, Newman out of freaking great all the way to the end. Six pack abs. He's like, man, dude. It's Paul Newman. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I guess so. Good for him. Yeah. Good for him. So, Nick, you were also pointing out the similarities to Big Lebowski, like the dance scene. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's very Big Lebowski. It definitely feels like a, a, a step towards Lebowski. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, the narrator in this and the yes. narrator yep. in Lebowski, how they both pop up in the actual story. And they're both these very minimal characters, but they, but, but they're the narrator. And they also kind of feel like, especially in this one, like, separate and powerful and above it mm -hmm. while being like very low key and a, a very specific accent and voice. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I kind of get this idea with the, with the Cohen movies, uh, that it's almost like when we, when me and Sam worked at the <clears throat> art museum and we'd display a single artist's like whole collection of a single period of work. Mm. Mm. And it feels like not that the Cohen's like, have a formula but more like they're exploring the space of like the dream sequence and mm -hmm, like because mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. in it's in a few of their movies mm -hmm. and uh god breezing arizona has some of the best dream sequences mm -hmm. we're gonna have to watch that i don't remember mm -hmm. much of it oh it's good i do remember it was good yeah there's yeah there's a few elements like that and mm -hmm. some of the more cartoony 
human behavior in their movie. It's like f- finding the the right balance between cartoony and reality. Yes. Yeah. Like, I mean, we just watched Gremlins, and Gremlins was very tilted on the cartoony, and mm. this is kind of more a little back on the cartoony, but still, it's still there. You it's, know? Yeah. For oh, sure. it's definitely, and it's weird to see Paul Newman taking part in that. Mm-hmm. But it's got a dignity that yes. deserves Paul Newman. It's We were talking about this before I think we even started watching the movie and recording the podcast, but somebody mentioned Pushing Daisies, mm-hmm. and it feels yeah. very like whimsical, like Pushing Daisies. I think Brian Fuller likes this movie. Yeah. <laughs> that, w- that would be my guess. Yeah. Where it's, you know, Pushing Daisies can feel a little cartoony, but it's more like whimsical and grounded in a real world. Yeah. At the same time. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah. Just there's this, this movie definitely has that whimsy, especially like how the clock controls the universe. Yes. Mm-hmm. So great. It's so what do you guys, there, there's a couple pieces of that scene that are really mm-hmm. interesting. Uh, one, the, the movie physics of stopping time, right. but uh, two, like the, was, was that a, a fight between like God and the devil? I don't think you would go that literal, but I think you're absolutely on the right spot, on the right place. Interesting, yeah. Because they didn't get stopped by time. Exactly. Oh. Musburger was stopped by time, but those are the two that were not Interesting. And mm-hmm. he is very godlike, this clockworker. He hears it's, everything. It's he knows everything. It's potentially problematic mystic black man trope. Mm. Uh, but I think they balanced it really well with like the the having you know the black guy and the white guy, and it wasn't just like... Mm-hmm. You know, the, so many movies do that, but yeah, that doesn't bother me. No, I didn't bother me in this at all. Yeah. It's just, but you know, I would love to see this movie in 3d, hmm. the clock workings and the snow oh, man, and the yeah. fall. This movie would be, be like fun a in 3D. really nice, subtle 3d movie. Yeah. Even like all the punches that are thrown feel oh, like yeah. they're mm-hmm. for a 3d movie. That would need be to get great. on that 3d conversion. Yeah. Yeah, it's I too mean, bad. I mean, we did one. it for Predator. Why not this one? Legend 3D, get on it. We, we know yeah. people over there. <laughs> to my disappointment, I don't feel like this movie has the heat that, you know, a Titanic or Predator have. That's true. You know, it's too bad. But It really flew under the radar. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised at how good it is. Yeah? I mean, I guess I shouldn't be because it's Coen Brothers, but I am. <laughs> I would still say, though, that this is one of their better films. I think oh, I'm surprised it is not on that list yeah. that you read. I think people just forget about disregard it. it. Yeah. yeah, and I wanted to look up who did the music because the music oh, is phenomenal, so powerful. Like a lot of these movies, or a lot of these scenes would, I think, fall kind of flat with mm-hmm. your standard score. But such a story is told with that music, and it not adds even, a lot of whimsy. Yeah, and yeah. it's and not even just the music, but also the sound. Des- design like when yeah. the clock in the um that one guy's office where you can see the <coughs> clock hand yeah. when it goes by there's like sort of this ominous yeah the whoosh you know, yeah yeah and then the sound of the hula hoop like mm-hmm. going over mm-hmm. when it's it not seen must be the same musician as um miller's crossing i'm gonna check so it's carter burwell i think just did a lot of cohen movies but i get a lot of like flashbacks to Miller's Crossing, the mm. way the music sets the tone in this. This also kind of reminds me cinematically of um, 
oh shoot, what was that movie called again? With, uh, it takes place in a train station mainly. It's like a newer one. Oh gosh, it's killing me. Hugo. Hugo. Oh yeah. It's especially with clockwork. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's something about the clockwork and the shots of the clocks and. So he did the same guy who did the music for Miller's Crossing, Barton oh, Fink, oh. Fargo, like really sets so much, so much of this leans on the music. So when we were watching this, I had to look it up because I was like, the hula hoop was not invented in 1958. Oh yeah. And I'm correct. The hula hoop was not invented in 1958. The hula hoop has been around since the 1300s. However... Huh. A company, and we can't forget the Hawaiians hula hooped, like hula dancing. Like they they dance. The with, hoop is a real thing. Yeah, hula, hula dance. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, so, but but the hula hoop wasn't mass produced until 1958, just like mm. in this film. And it was mass produced and made out of plastic for the first time by a company called Whammo. Right. And they are the people who hold the trademark for hula hoop. And in 1958, they manufactured it out of plastic and they sold 25 million hula hoops in the first four months at the price of $1.98 each. So this movie was really, you know, I think they were taking this moment in history and like spinning a tail around it. That's like a hula hoop. For maybe every single kid in that country, right? That's insane. At that time, nah, twenty five million. Nah. Twenty five? No, because we had we we it was three hundred in the nineties, and it was only one hundred in. The, I feel like they've already sold twenty million Nintendo Switches. But is that worldwide? Like we're just talking yeah, worldwide. in the United States. Like you know, I don't know. There's a lot of people. <laughs> Yeah. But uh, anyway, but it they just, also I've... made the frisbee around that time. Oh yeah, so and um, I think didn't Whammo have something to do with yo-yos? I don't know if so, that's in what you were seeing. They they currently still make toys, including the hula hoop. They make the hacky sack, the slip and slide, the frisbee, and the boogie board. Holy shit! Wow. So these are all like the film was very accurate to what they really do. It's interesting. I just love the schematics that he drew. You know, oh, yeah. What an imbecile design uh, this. <laughs> <laughs> I just love, I love the idea. There's like this beautiful thing about this film, which is this idea of somebody inventing something. And this is like a real problem that I think inventors really have is somebody inventing something and people just not understanding yeah. Like how it's supposed to be used and just not, and you know. So you got to get the boys down in R&D to throw together a prototype so your conversation <laughs> can have some focus. Yeah. <laughs> Is there a boy's version? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what if you're tired before it's done? <laughs> but, you know, I find that really interesting because I think that's, you know, I think that's still a problem today, though. I think with technology, we're a lot more adept with getting used to change because it happens so Mm. quickly, but it's just interesting. I just love these like moments where people just like blink at it and they're like, they don't know what to call it. They don't know what it is. Like it's, that's such a magical moment that doesn't really happen that often anymore. That whole, that whole crowd of kids just watching. Yes. That that was 
I'm so that in love with that amazing. sequence. That kid was a legend. <laughs> but just that that music, the saber dance music, and it's like oh, it's yes, rolling yes. down the street, and it's like building and building. Mm-hmm. Falls in front of the kid. He just crushes it. I don't know the how they go got crazy. that shot where it just beautifully arcs around him and then falls down in front of him. Like that was just like mm. perfect. A lot of thrown frisbees. A, a lot of takes. Yeah. By the way, there's. I, I assume it's still there, but once upon a time, I saw a video on YouTube. It was at Burning Man, and somebody mounted a GoPro on a hula hoop oh. and just oh, yeah. let a bunch of people try it. And the brilliant part is as the hoop spins around your body, at a certain point, the camera just touches your body in the rotation. Oh, so they cut there. And they use that as the cut point. Brilliant. Mm. And it's beautiful. Yeah, wow. it's fantastic. So, guys, I have to be honest. I cannot hula hoop around my waist. <gasps> Me neither. Oh, I don't oh, think okay. I could. I, I'm I, glad I'm not the only one because I, I I had like a couple hula hoops and I just never could do it around my oh. waist. I couldn't mm. keep it up. I used to be able to you when I was a kid and then I oh. lost it. That's what he said. <laughs> Which is all the more impressive if you've tried it and you can't do it and you see that amazing kid yeah or like just destroying it the other the other part that just like blew me away is like the fucking five minute sequence of him in the board meeting hula hooping yeah. the entire time and, and he's like playing this character yes which like, takes a lot of energy just to hell? play that character yeah and while do also the doing hoop. it yeah that was really impressive because yeah. i just can't I don't know if it's because I have I have really big hips. I don't know if that's like I've never been able to. But I did. I this movie was reminding me how much I did enjoy hula hoops when I was a kid. Because when I was in like middle school or high school, I would because I couldn't do it around my waist. I started doing hula hooping around my arms because I just it was just so much fun. And I started doing tricks where I would like throw it up in the air and catch it and keep hula hooping. And I would switch arms and switch so arms. You're one of those throw it. hippie hoop girls. I guess it was. Well, this was <laughs> put, before that was cool. Put like, a light believe in me, it this and... was not cool yeah. when I was doing it. <laughs> it's just nice to see something that brings people together, yeah. even if it keeps them apart spatially. Right. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> You know, it, I was just thinking about that. It does take a ton of effort to play that character that Tim Robbins plays. Mm-hmm. I think it takes He's a lot of a concentration. Yeah, and you really a lot see, of physicality. I love how you like really see his character arc. You know, like he yeah. he really hits all the beats, and and it's like I was thinking there in the middle. I was like, oh no, you know, I don't. I don't like him anymore because yeah. he's cheating on her. And like, now I'm going to feel like he doesn't deserve her when they get back together. But I really felt like he had a full change of heart. And I was like, you know what? No, I'm okay with it. Like it is mm-hmm. a beautiful oh, wow. story. arc. Yeah. So, you know what I really like is, uh, the attention to detail in this. Mm. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. not just in like, you know, costuming or the normal stuff, but, uh, I, I, shouted out during the movie when it popped up there's one scene in the beginning the mail room and they get the blue letter and there's a 20 foot tall 
wall light sign that just says blue letter (laughs) (laughs) and like with like a hundred light bulbs in it and it's on screen for one second and that's the only time you ever see it and like there's shit like that in every single scene the the machine that makes the hula hoops oh yeah Yeah, that that was was a cool machine yeah and again just for a few seconds yeah what i absolutely love is when she's creeping around the clockworks and peeking through the keyhole and then the clock keeper shows up and calls her name and she turns and there's a cog at the top of the frame spinning. He's perfectly framed inside of the spokes of that cog as it turns. Oh, huh. Brilliant. And it's, you don't necessarily notice it, but the framing and the blocking of that, having him framed inside of a piece of clockwork. Okay. Well, I got, I got one Oof. for you. Okay. Uh, and I got another one too. Moss, Mossberg's <laughs> office. Okay. Every time there's a shot in there, those fucking things are clicking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the conversation and everything happens over that click and they cut and it's always matching up with it. And even when they cut while they're talking, oh, it, yeah, it matches up tough. and the thing's always ticking. Whoa. Yeah. That's like that shot in one of the first episodes of Mr. Robot where they're on a Ferris wheel. Oh, yeah. And it's a dialogue scene, just very simple back and forth dialogue scene. But the continuity of the Ferris wheel turning is perfect the whole time. Yeah, that one's crazy. And if you've never shot and edited a dialogue scene, it's like, okay, what? But if you have and you think about all the tiny little moments that you probably cut out as you're trimming it down and have the continuity so consistent. Well, and you would have to like – you would have to like um, choreograph that with the movement for sure. And they also – the other thing that's fucking amazing about that scene is somehow they get like a bazillion different angles out of like this tiny little Ferris wheel. Yeah, moving section. or setting a camera in that size yeah. of a space. That's Mr. Robot's but, amazing if you're not watching yeah. it, by the way. We still haven't. Oh, it's so good. But yeah, you're so right about that Newton's cradle and when he there's a moment where he just he's like, Stop or like he like yells yeah. at the yeah. guy and the Newton's cradle just freezes. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it's scared of him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, I love that. So great. I also love when Buzz does his pitch and he's got the easel with the white paper mm-hmm. and the way the camera swings around them both. Like when, when Tim Robbins comes up and is like eyeballing him, the camera swings all the way over, but it does this kind of dance around the top corner of that easel. So everything is framed so perfectly. You would think like, Oh, that easel's going to get in the way as the camera swings around, but it's like positioned perfectly. Tiny little details. Who's the cinematographer? Roger Deakins. Mm. Oh, of course. Yeah. (laughs) He's so good. Yeah. I think they worked with Barry Sonnenfeld until he decided to become a director. Mm. And from that point on, it's been Roger Deakins. Yeah. I love how this film wasn't uh, black and white. It did have color, but somehow it's still... Mm like visually looks like black and white kind of without it being black and white. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it was very monotone. Dis- desaturated. Yeah. yeah. A little desaturated, but also like there was never like super vibrant colors until like the hula hoop yeah. colors came in. Yeah. Everything else was very like gray tones or brown tones or like muted, um, you know, mm-hmm. or black. And uh, it really, I le- it, like almost tricks your mind into thinking that you're watching a black and white film, but you're not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, well, I mean, even that stuff is like, it's hard to plan 
mm-hmm. to get everything to fit that. Because, yeah, yeah. There's the hula hoop happens and then suddenly the whole movie's colorful. Mm-hmm. And- but it, it does a good job of making it feel like old and vintage, yes. but at the same time modern. Exactly. And not yeah. dated. Well, it's that shiny, silvery look. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like 1940s black and white. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like how Steve Buscemi snuck in there and did an <laughs> yeah. awesome beatnik. Yep. Yeah. Love that. It's a juice and coffee bar, man. <laughs> yeah. Alcohol is for squares. No, martinis Whoa, are woman. for squares. Yeah. <laughs> Even that's yeah. a wonderful note uh, that they threw in earlier in the film because she said it's a juice and coffee bar directly to him. Yeah. And he's just uh, never listening. That's one of the beautiful things about his character is he, he just ignores stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And keeps running. Well, he's yeah. just like oblivious. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And there's something about that that makes him just so likable. You know? Right. Which is funny because that's a real asshole way to be. Yeah. Just ignoring yeah. people say something right directly to you <laughs> and you keep going on. But he like does it in this charming, oblivious sort of way that makes it forgivable, I guess. Yeah. It was almost kind of the same in the very beginning when he brings her back and puts her on the sofa and it's clear she has this very rehearsed routine that she has to get out leading up to like hey by the way i'm from muncie yeah but she like she had to keep resetting she's like okay and continue from here (laughs) yeah and she kept just kind of like disregarding things he would say because she had to get back to her script Mm -hmm. yeah yeah He's like, well, I myself, and she just stepped right over him. <laughs> yeah. Little town, yeah. little town, you may never have heard of. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or like the scene when she's pissed at him. And so she's great. Like, she's just like, shut yeah. up, <laughs> shut up. Yeah. Yeah. And he just he doesn't even talk. He just opens his mouth. No, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> so, so good. Great. But I love that. Uh, I never would have thought that from you. A Muncie girl. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's like, what? I think that's exactly the thing about his character. He's so trusting that I love is that he's just like. I guess it's naive. He's just yes. so naive. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not that he's like not listening because he's an asshole or whatever. It's just that he's like naive, mm-hmm. and it's like even though he finds out that she lied to him, like he still believes everything else she said. Yeah, yeah. All he found out was that her name. And the job were different. So yeah. why would she have lied about the rest of I it? I know. I love it. I love yeah. that that's, he's just so naive to that. I didn't even think about that. Like, yeah, he hasn't even put it together that she's not actually from Muncie. Yeah. yeah. And he just completely trusts Paul Newman every step of the way. Mm-hmm. And even like he was uh, dictating the letter to the reporter who he didn't know yet. But he's just tearing into her. And then after he's finished, like, you know, don't send that. She's, mm-hmm. you know, she's just doing her job. You yeah. Know? He's so adorable. That's one of the Cohen things that I love a lot, too, is uh, I think this one might be a, a trope for them. But th- their characters, like the stories have arcs, but a lot of the characters never actually really mm-hmm. have, like, personal arcs like he yeah. started out as a great guy and ended as a great guy and was an asshole in the middle and mm-hmm. that that was the arc but like th- a lot of the co movies is the characters kind of are just as dumb 
throughout the whole thing. But they have these beautiful, rich characters. Exactly. That it's kind of okay. Yeah. They're all so unique. Yeah, because he was almost going the Great Gatsby route, and then he swapped and went back. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and as much as this movie has similar beats to Lebowski, Tim Robbins' character is a lot like George Clooney and O Brother. Hmm. Yeah. You know? George Clooney is a little bit more of a devious asshole, but, you know, this fast-talking, naive sort of guy. Mm-hmm. Another another theme, perhaps. Uh, mm-hmm. I like I like deconstructing the the Cohen stuff because it's just it's there's a lot in yeah. it. Um, but it's a thing I like to do with stories a lot too. Is really intense, um, like reduct reductivism. Uh, I'm thinking specifically of like the circle thing, uh, where. S- there are a lot of movies that would have compared, you know, the. The new guy trying to do the thing that the old guy was doing, and like he's pissed off and fires the bellhop. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it wasn't because he had a new, different idea, he had the same fucking idea, you know. <laughs> and yeah, I think I feel like a lot of modern movies would try and you know, try and draw that connection over dialogue, but the Coens are just like right in your face, like it's a circle. His thing was a circle, and yeah, it's just so simple to that they paint it out that way. Um, and it works because of their weird cartoon reality. Yeah. In some of their movies, like they don't always go full cartoony, Mm-mm. but when they do, it works. Mm-hmm. Like they stay true to that tone. Yeah. It almost like reminded me of the whole story of how Spielberg just like showed up, you know, Oh yeah. And on like the sound back, like the universal back lot and how he just like, showed up and pretended like he was supposed to be there. And then eventually you didn't know about this. I haven't heard about this. This is how he, he started working at universal is he just, he would sneak into the back lot and like pretend like he was supposed to be there and like he was Mm. supposed to be on sets. And then eventually they like hired him. But, um, you know, it's kind of that when the buzz guy comes up and he's like, see my idea, it's like yours, but different, you know, kind of yeah. had like that Spielberg spirit to it, kind of, <laughs> you know, where it's like, he's really ballsy coming to him with the mm. same design, but at the same time, like, like I liked it. I think if he was presenting to me, I would have been like, I like your guts, you know, to come to me with yeah. the same idea. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Would- it was interesting. Which I think really cemented the the point where Norval had become an asshole because mm-hmm. he should have been the first one to support I, yeah. a guy like that making a pitch. Totally. Well, that's exactly how he made his pitch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He walked in there when he shouldn't yeah. have on a different job and yeah. presented the same pitch. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I love when he like takes out the little paper and then... Like looks at it. Oh, it's upside down. Oh my god! It. Yes, brilliant little nuggets like that. Or uh, he kept you, it in his shoe. You pointed mm-hmm. out, Sam, that the angels halo was a hula hoop. Yeah, so that always. I always notice that. Like it's just wobbling in a weird way. It yeah. never thought that yeah, it was a hula hoop. Well, he either. even he comments. Everybody's oh. wearing it. It's a fad. Yeah. 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 Are hula hoops a fad? I feel like they're still around. Yeah, but it's one of those things that exploded for a minute right. and then evened out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Beanie Babies are still around. 
Are they really? They still make them? Yeah, it's still a thing. Oh, wow. Well, they still exist. It's not a thing anymore. The company <laughs> still exists, yeah. right? Ty. God. Fucking. It's that. I just remember. Somebody's got bitterness. I Well, I do. Like I'm sorry. Beanie PSD. <laughs> Let me go on a PTSD. slight beanie baby tangent is that. My aunts would like give them to me and then they'd be like, okay, put these in a case and put tag protectors on them. They're going to be worth all this money later. And I'm just sitting there even as a kid and I'm like, it's a toy. Let me just play with it. We did that for a little while too. Yeah. With Beanie Babies specifically? It's just like ridiculous. Uh, we, we briefly did the Beanie Baby thing. That didn't last very long though. That was like a, a week of like collector's items, collector's items. My parents are big on collector's items things. And it's like mm. none of that, none of that stuff's ever been uh, worth anything. Yeah. I remember, and this was kind of a formative thing for me. Like I would buy comic books as a kid and people would say, oh, they'll be worth something one day. And then one day taking a bunch of comic books back to the comic book store to ask the guy if they were worth something. And the guy like, <laughs> like no. he probably goes through this all the time with little kids, but he's like, we we sold them to you. There, there's nothing of value here. Yeah. Oh. Although the uh, the one exception to that, which I, I kind of love, is uh, Sam's brother uh, Josh uh, is really into magic. Oh yeah, and that's the card game. Yeah, mm-hmm. oh, and yeah, I've heard you can make some money with that. Yeah, is it is it Wizards or whatever? Wizards of the Coast. Anyway, mm-hmm. they. Uh, they actually support the market and like keep a a list of like the cards they do and don't print anymore. And so that there's, they create rarity of their own stuff. Great. (laughs) And I, and he, Josh's car broke down a while back and he was like, Oh, I guess I'll just sell some magic cards and like sold a thousand dollars worth of magic cards. I mean, he had to sell like all of his magic cards, but yeah. But wow. yeah, you just like have a box of cards that's a thousand dollars. Like, all right, cool. That that's makes rad. me wonder how much ours are worth. I just found mine recently too. Oh. I have a big box of them, but I they're all magic. cards that like people gave to me for free. So I doubt that they're worth anything. Check the eBay. So, what are our final feelings on this, uh, Ash? I think it was worth the hoopla. <laughs> you can, can we quote, quote me on that. <laughs> All right, so thanks for listening. <laughs> no, it was great. Sorry, I, I, I don't have a lot to say because it was just it was. Yeah, it was, it's weird. I feel like this is a quick one. Mm-hmm, it was really. Um, We've been talking for forty minutes. Yeah. <laughs> the it was effortless. It looked effortless and perfect. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. But probably took a hell of a lot oh, of work to nail some of that yeah. stuff. Yeah, but it was. So well done. Now I got to go watch some more of their movies. Yeah. Time for a Cohen marathon. Well, I loved it. Of course. I, I had a smile the entire time, like (laughs) from the first music in the beginning was just, okay. Yes, this is exactly what I remember. And it's so fantastic. And every step of the way, it's just a roller coaster ride of dialogue. So I loved it. Yeah, it was talky. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. But in a good Sam, way. You were saying you were afraid it would be slow and talky. Yeah. It was fast and talky. Yeah. 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 In a great way. Yep. Brett, this it, it yeah this is held up exactly the way that I thought it would. Um, I I'm I'm curious though because no one has mentioned it. 
is did this feel to you guys the way it does to me where it's like like a holiday movie hmm. i could no. see that I don't see it this feels as like New Year's to me, like yeah. a middle of the summer viewing sort yeah. of thing. Like, I think it's because it's just constantly snowing that it oh. feels like the season and the time. Like I'll agree with you, Sam, if you're saying like it doesn't feel like it captures the spirit of the time, the mm-hmm. season. But it's just like the weather totally. and like you know, yeah, it makes me that feel. And for me, like the music kind of mm-hmm. fits that. Yeah, totally. Um, the message of hope. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I could totally see that. And the like spirit new of new beginning. Yeah, that that is New Year's. Oh wait, I'm sorry. Can we talk about the hilarious two moments that happen while viewing this film? I don't know how to describe film? it. Okay, oh so my god, the opening <sighs> shot of this movie. And this was so perfect for so the movie. <laughs> the opening shot of this movie is the cityscape, and Sam goes, "That looks well, like." We've been kind of debating before. Is this Chicago? Yeah. Sam goes, that looks like Chicago. And then, or, yeah, yeah, that looks like Chicago. And then Nick goes, no, I think that's New York. And then the VO guy goes, yep, that's New York City. And it was so perfect. Yeah. And then I can't remember and the, the other one. The second scene was like, the president comes on yep. screen. Yeah. And Sam's like, uh, LBJ? And he's like, I remember Eisenhower. And like right away, just like cuts it off. It's like, this Damn. is Eisenhower. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> was so perfect yeah it's so good <laughs> sorry to- the second time that happened killed me yeah. <laughs> yeah. laughing for like a solid minute that sorry was- to out you on that sam okay. but it no, was so it perfect was just perfect but it's timing. like it's perfect the tone of this movie oh, yeah. it's that fail fall thing and the timing yep. was so great <laughs> yes <laughs> both times so great yeah. immediately after you guessed <laughs> yeah uh, it was amazing uh, so sam i loved it it totally it holds up so much better than I remember, and I appreciate so much more about this film than I did on the first viewing. I'm, are you like me, where I'm like, why didn't I remember this? It's yeah, weird, right? Yeah, I don't remember. I think I was just a little too young when I watched it. I, you know? Maybe, yeah. Um, I mean, I wasn't that young, but I think I was just like young enough to not appreciate how effortless it is, mm-hmm. like you said, and it's just like. It just feels natural. The way they tell the story, the way they shoot it, like nothing was jarring or took me out of the story, even when they literally pause time. Yeah. Like breaking the fourth wall, talking directly to the audience, it all felt natural. Yeah. Oh my it's gosh. so weird how they can Strictly do that. Speaking, I'm never supposed to do this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so perfect. So good. I think you, you really want to embrace that inner black clock worker guy inside you i kind of loved him no he's a great character yeah Yeah. i love this idea of this clock worker who like knows everything and hears everything and the keeper Mm -hmm. of time man Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. timekeeper he's a time lord (laughs) 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 oh my god why is it podcasting a visual medium wow (laughs) Just blew your mind. (laughs) I just love the idea that that guy's a time lord. He's very time lordish. Yes, yeah, and he like saves saves the the state of things with what wasn't supposed to happen. He He stopped a clock with a set of false teeth, like. That yeah. is such a thing the doctor would do. The, yep. the teeth uh-huh. he knocked out of out of a demon's mouth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Wow. And then, and then the last line in the film is uh, him laughing about having murdered him. What? What? No. That is a story about a guy who fell from the forty fifth floor. But that's a tale for another time. That oh was him killing the. Oh my god! Me. What? I didn't even realize that. I never thought that. I thought he was dead. It's the floor, The boardroom's the floor on the the floor below them. He's so oh. right. He's so right. You think he threw that dude off of the building. Yes. Yeah. Oh my god, that's dark. I thought he was talking about Tim. Well, he we what? saw it. Yeah. He hit him with the broom and he fell, he fell back. But into the clockwork room, not off the building. Well, well. But I I, I but like what you're saying. The but floor. I'm pretty sure that's what he was getting at with yeah. that last line. I thought uh. he was just talking about Tim Robbins' character. No, the whole he said this is the story of Tim Robbins, but yeah. Tim Robbins fell from the 44th floor. There was a time when somebody fell from the 45th, but that's a different story. Oh. Yeah. And then he laughed. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. That's amazing. Because I I specifically do remember that line and thinking, why is he laughing? And now... Because he killed a guy. (laughs) The way I was so in love with the narrator in Big Lebowski is the same in this one. Mm -hmm. Just beautifully. I think I like it better here, honestly. Well, I mean, Big Lebowski has a little bit more of like that film noir. Yeah. And this had it a little bit in the beginning, but I think it felt more, I don't know, neutral. They're not less like they're not directly comparable. Yeah. Well, I guess what I like about this one is that he was more integral in the plot. Like he actually Mm -hmm. the narrator actually like. Well, did something to help the main character you technically know? in the big lebowski he's um he was exactly cowboy. as effective as jeff bridges in that movie <laughs> yeah. he, he accomplished just as much stuff <laughs> <laughs> right on i think we it's funny like when we have a movie that we loved we don't have that much to say about Guys, it it's fantastic been talking for 50 minutes yeah go watch go watch Sucker <laughs> proxy watch more coen brothers movies yes. that's my psa yeah watch I more th- coen movies have what well, didn't we watch another one you watched big lebowski, big lebowski but it was that, is, so. is this the second coen brothers mm-hmm. movie i think so i like it because they do a lot of stuff and i think there's a lot of planning and thought that goes into their filmmaking and i i like i don't think you know, in two Coen Brothers movies episodes, we ha- we didn't really like hit any repeat sort of topics either. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of cool stuff that they do. I do want to watch more Coen. They, <laughs> I think visionary is the right word. They are mm-hmm. visionaries. Yeah, one hundred percent. They were totally. the, f- the film was sort of they were re- reminding me of like P.T. Anderson, another where, visionary. Exactly. Yeah, like another person who like tells these stories that are kind of simple, but also so, I don't know. What's the word for it? Such a clear perception of what he wants to say and how Mm -hmm. he wants to say it and how he wants to make you feel every step of the way. Totally. And that's, and executes on that. And executes flawlessly. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was, I just kept, I don't know why, but I kept thinking of Magnolia. Yeah. When I was watching this movie. Oh God. Mm -hmm. I should watch Magnolia on the plane. So good. And it's like seven hours long. So, is it really? No. Oh. It just. <laughs> well, I mean, I know I, you're I love exaggerating. When I, I love when I, I say something that can't possibly be true, and you say, "Really?" <laughs> I know that it, it's not really seven hours. Like, yeah. It's just, just really long. Yeah. But really good. Yeah, I should do that. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, cool. That was the show. Uh, if you liked the podcast, this is part of the Last Stash TV network content. It's the podcast and a YouTube channel where there's video game parodies, a cooking show, a drinking show, and other things. Yeah. It's so weird when we don't have a guest and it's just like you're telling us shit that we know that you've told Sorry. us a million times. Yeah. <laughs> Well, listen, see, you can also follow us on Twitter. You can follow us at Laugh TV or at Let's Rewatch if you want to follow this podcast where we post. Let's Rewatch? We post pictures. Okay, Taco. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do sound like Taco. That's more like Taco. Uh, where we post stills from the movie. Still I, pictures? Still pictures. But I, I posted one for this one and nobody guessed it. I might have posted it too late because it's very late right now. But um, people don't read Twitter on Sundays. Sorry, Twitter peeps. But maybe you'll tell me what the movie is tomorrow. But you won't be in this podcast episode. Right. So honorary points. Oh, also, I'm just going to say it again, even though I said it in the last episode. But we also started a Facebook group. So you can join our Facebook group. It's called Let's Rewatch Podcast. And in the group, we're trying to create a space where you guys can talk to each other and discuss movies more. Because as everyone who likes movies knows, 200-something characters isn't enough to really have a conversation about a movie. So uh, hopefully it's a place where you can talk to us and we can respond and you can talk to each other and talk about movie theories and maybe politely argue with each other remember to be polite <laughs> politely everyone has their own opinions even if they're wrong even if well it's movies even if they think. a little objective yeah so even if you think die hard isn't a christmas movie <laughs> still hey, i mean I it's super super guess. super is oh yeah. my god we, sa- we settled this <laughs> We, we did. Settled. We never settled. We settled. What you that was said. the plot of the whole last podcast. Yeah, don't I said you remember Gremlins where you was. say like you now recognize how wrong you were? You apologized <laughs> like three or four times, and I'm pretty Fuck sure we got that on tape. Deference to John McTiernan and his Christmas masterpiece. Don't you remember that? <laughs> I said Gremlins was a Christmas movie. I did not. I said I need to go back and rewatch Die Hard. It didn't feel as integral to the plot. And somebody said, oh, I disagree. Well, guess what and we're watching in January. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can't. It's Christmas movie. Gosh, no, it's not. Do you want to watch the Santa Claus in January? What's wrong with you? No, because Santa Claus is about Santa Claus, which is the spirit of Christmas. Anyway, <laughs> if you agree or disagree with us or love us or hate us, please give us a review on iTunes or Google Play Music. If you have thoughts or comments or suggestions, direct them towards our Facebook page. So make sure your uh, podcast feed is up to date and join us again in another two weeks for more Let's Rewatch. And have a nice 2018. Yeah. The year oh, yeah. we turn it all around. Woo. Turn it around. Uh, next time, we're going to watch The Last Exorcism Part 2. <laughs> <laughs>